from death to life. So what I want to do this morning is just share my story of the past uh, 12 months or so, or even a little bit less than that, uh, in terms of my cancer. And I don't want to be too uh, melodramatic or uh, anything like that, but um, there has been some uh, uh, tough times, perhaps not as bad as uh, some others with, with cancer, but um, I just really want this opportunity to um, uh, share about God's goodness. Um, the journey, my journey, my cancer journey hasn't finished yet, still got some way to run. But, you know, why do I want to do it? Uh, why do I want to talk about it? And, I, and um, I want to give glory to God and to his son, Jesus. And why would I want to do that? And the reason that I want to do that is I'm nothing without him. My life is nothing without him. We sing a song, it's your breath in my lungs. And you can't get any more um, basic than that in terms of uh, the way that he uh, cares for us and wants to care for us. And I came across a really good, and I know it sounds as though I'm plugging that book all in, but I bought that book last week. Didn't know anything about uh, the author. Um, Nick recommended it, so that was good enough for me. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. And hit first chapter, and this is the, this is the uh, most amazing um, quote that I've heard that describes grace and mercy that I've experienced this year. And Mark says, uh, this is what grace and mercy is like. God says, I'll take the blame for everything you did wrong and give you, for, uh, and give you credit for everything I did right. That's God speaking. So I'll take the blame for everything you did wrong and give you credit for everything I did right. And it's just uh, an amazing thing. Um, I also want to thank my incredible wife. I don't know how I would have got through this year without my wife and my daughters, my extended family, my church family, both in terms of prayers, um, uh, uh, financially from my church family, for physical help at the car yard, um, and even, um, and I want to talk about this a little bit later on, uh, the visions uh, and the words that people shared with me that was uh, from God, and I, I want to especially thank uh, Katie Morrison for um, sharing with me uh, a vision that she had uh, of my, uh, my cancer journey uh, ahead and the way in which she came over, especially to pray with me in hospital. So if you could pass that on to her, that I'd really uh, appreciate that. I also, before I start in, I just want to uh, really highlight... Um, a local charity called Can Assist. And if you ever see or hear of a, um, an event, that uh, a, lot, a fundraising event that they are doing or you see them uh, collecting money outside Woolworths or the newsagent, please uh, give some money to them. What, what they do and what they've done for us is incredible. Any costs whatsoever that aren't met by Medicare or private health insurance... When it comes to cancer treatment, they cover every month. Um, 
they did say to me initially that they've got a $4,000 limit per patient per year, but uh, we went well beyond that and they still um, gave that money. So it's incredible. Can Assist, it's run by uh, amazing local lady, Jean Frost, who most of you would know. Um, and uh, it, it was just an incredible help. So what I want to do this morning is just um, in my hour and a half that Daniel's allotted to me, um, <laughs> I, want to, I, wanted, uh, well, I want to take you through a physical timeline first. I want to um, uh, do a few uh, sort of observations as I go through that and then a bit of a spiritual timeline, then a little bit about lessons learned. And uh, whenever I come up uh, uh, to preach, I always bang on about journals. And um, it's I think you, we should all have journals where we write down things, uh, especially as uh, we're going through life's journey, uh, write down things. And I've got some secular things that I'll share with you from secular people this morning. I've got some great spiritual stuff and I've got some uh, the Word of God as well. But um, anyway, let's cut to the chase. Physical timeline. Um, now, I just need to be a little bit uh, blunt uh, this morning and a bit uh, graphic with you and I'd like to start off. Um, it's bladder cancer that I suffered from so I've had lots of requests, okay? I've had lots of requests from people who want to know what the bags are like and how it all operates. Is that all right to talk about, darling? But I want to I wanna show... Pe they don't really... Oh, okay. Well, look, for those who really want to know how this all works, okay... Um, form an orderly queue afterwards, <laughs> all right? And I'll take you all through that. It's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Okay. I thought you were going to support me, darling. Um, okay. Um, blood in my urine, okay, for most of the second half of last year. As a man, what do I do about it? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> go to... Uh, go to the GP eventually and say um, to my 85-year-old GP, I think I've got a urinary tract infection, and he goes, yeah, you probably have, um, and gives me antibiotics. Doesn't work, okay? Um, so blood in my urine, um, very painful, okay? What do I do? Still nothing. I go back to the GP. He says, I think we better do something. Um, so he writes me a referral to a urologist who looks after all that part of your body. What do I do, as a man, what do I do with that referral? Nothing. Okay. I, it sits on my desk at home for about four months. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm too busy selling cars and stuff. Okay, <clears throat> so that was... Um, and it wasn't, so that was second half of last year. February, Leslie finally gets through to me and says, you should do something. Um, we contact the urologist. He says, right, I want an ultrasound first off. So that's what I do. He then rings back and then says, I need a CT scan and I need an MRI scan. Um, sounds a bit serious at this point, but anyway, um, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I... You know, I sort of keep fit reasonably. Um, it's not going to be anything. He's just double-checking. We go to our first appointment uh, in March. 
with the very expensive private urologist. Um, and uh, he says, and I can't, and I still remember sitting there and thinking he's not talking about me. And he's saying, "You've got a, you've got a huge tumour in your bladder." Uh, he said, "It's the worst I've seen." He, uh, he said, "In my 30 years, it's one of the top three, um, uh, top three tumours." <laughs> Thanks for being in the urologist. Top three, um, top three tumours, um, and uh, he said, "We're going to have to start uh, operating on you," and he and I said, "Well." What's the, what's the alternative to surgery? And he said, death. And that was the first time that that uh, entered into the conversation. And I said, how long have I got, Doc? <laughs> um, and uh, he said, well, you know, uh, anywhere between three to five years if we don't do anything about it. Um, I, said, I said to him... Um, What's caused it? And he said, um, you're smoking. <laughs> and I said, I've never smoked in my life. And he said, oh, oh. And I noticed with doctors, even with um, my daughter Joanna, when they don't know, when they think what's caused it, and then, they don't, and then I say, oh, you never smoked, they say, oh, it must be genetic. So Joanna says, it must be genetic, Dad. Um, it could have been my 10 years as a fiery in, um, uh, in Fire and Rescue New South Wales. But regardless, um, I had it. Um, I only just found out a couple of weeks ago that all three of my daughters um, thought that I, I was going to die regardless of surgery or, or treatment or uh, whatever. And, they were, and Joanna especially was planning life post not having her father... Uh, now she's having to replan having another 30 years with um, her father. So, um, poor, poor, poor girl. So, April, April May, um, I had two, uh, well, they call them resections where they, they, um, they go in and they take shavings off your, of your tumour. Uh, they get an idea of, what, uh, of what's going on, how big it is, all of that sort of thing, confirming what the CT and MRI already said. Um, and my very expensive urologist uh, was certain that um, the cancer had spread beyond the bladder. Where bladder cancer really starts to have an effect is the tumour goes through the very uh, thin wall of your bladder uh, and goes into and metastasizes uh, elsewhere in your body. And he was convinced that it had, um, judging by the size that he estimated it to be and then he actually saw it, he was convinced that uh, it had gone beyond the wall and uh, I would have cancer um, in uh, other parts of my body. But he couldn't find it after the first resection. So that's, you know, three, four days in hospital, a couple of weeks to recover. He says, let's do another one. Okay, because I'm convinced. Okay, but I said I, I barely afforded your last operation. I think it was about four thousand dollars an hour. So he put me. We 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 switched over to the public system. He had 
somebody that he knew in the public system that was very good. And so the second, the second um, one was done uh, and they still couldn't find anything. And he, he, um, the second doctor, acting on instructions from the first specialist, said to pathology, it's got to be there. There's got to be more beyond um, the bladder. He can't possibly have had a tumour that size and got away with it. Um, but that's, in fact, uh, what proved to be the case, and I'll talk about that a little bit um, later on. But regardless of the fact, um, the bladder um, had to come out, and I was given the opportunity of um, either having an external bag, like this, okay. Oh. Um, Leslie's shaking her head again. Um, or having one made up inside part of my... Um, um, they take a part of your bowel and they make it into a new bladder and you train yourself to go to the toilet every two hours, 24-7. I didn't like that idea. I'd been getting up in the night, you know, three times already and I thought... Um, and, the, and the specialist said, look, there's more issues with a neobladder, they call it, than with a bag on the outside. So I went with the bag on the outside um, and... It's a pretty good bag on the outside, uh, unless you forget to empty it. Um, okay, you're so busy selling cars, you know, or or whatever. Um, uh, so yeah, you just got to you've just got to watch that. But apart from that, it's pretty good. And at night, shaking her head again. Quick, this is a night bag, and I hook it up, and it goes the whole night, and I don't have to get up. How cool, eh? Luxury, yeah, yeah. So it's it's really cool. Um, okay, so so that's <coughs> that's the way it works. Um, and what happens is it it actually comes out. It's like a it's like a um, a one-way valve that comes. They they take a bit of your bowel and they make it a, a conduit, and so it's sticking out there. So my bag is sitting about there. Okay, and it's just um, secreting all the time. So I can't go an hour and a half because I'll empty it. Okay. All right, so June, July. Okay, I have what they call a, a radical cystectomy, something like that. Okay, where they do all of that and change all my uh, plumbing inside. Um, just get it, I'll, I'll talk a bit about this in a minute, but um, the specialist came to me a couple of days after the surgery and he said, I'm 100... Uh, I'm 100% convinced we've got it all. So two days after my surgery, he was he had actually convinced himself and his colleague that the cancer had not spread and by taking my bladder and my prostate out, they'd got everything. Um, so that was quite incredible. But the other thing that sent shivers up my spine and thanks to the Lord as he was speaking to me, he said, a one millimetre difference in the location of where that tumour was, he said we'd be having a far different conversation to the one we're having now. So um, it's just, uh, yeah, just really, uh, really incredible. Um, so two weeks after the operation, I was ready to come home and I saw James there. Now, James will agree with me that uh, hospital is a place to get treated, isn't it, James? It's not a place to recover, <laughs> is it? <laughs> 
No, no. <laughs> it's, not the pla- it's not the place to get better. There's a whole lot of reasons for that. Um, one is the food. Um, when I was talking to, in all the pre-op stuff, they said, don't worry about eating healthy or losing weight before you come into hospital. We've got a hospital diet plan for everyone, and it's called the food. Um, so I lost about eight kilos, which I've managed to keep off, so I'm really pleased about that. Um, but, um, yeah, you don't get your own private... Oh, well, James might. He's a, he's a, he's a really young, good-looking dog. Um, but, yeah, no, I was sort of... I didn't quite get the one-on-one treatment. But, look, the nurses are fantastic. I wish Veronica was here because uh, she would agree with me. Um, they, they are really, uh, really terrific. But it's not a great environment to, to get over. But, anyway, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm anxious to go. Um, you don't get a lot of information about when you're going to go home. All of a sudden, they just come in, they sweep in this team of doctors and whatever, and they say, right, you're going home this afternoon. What happened with me uh, was I'm all, all set to go and then all of a sudden I can't breathe and I'm pushing my buzzer and, and, not, and I'm calling out and, you know, and I'm uh, whatever, I couldn't breathe. And it turned out, once they all came rushing, that my lung had collapsed and uh, so, um, so it's straight on to extra oxygen and all sorts of things. Really scary. I thought I was going to die. Um, okay, with the collapsed lung. lung. And then uh, after racing me down to chest x-ray, and it's a long way from the wards in Canberra Hospital down to the basement where the, <laughs> where the x-ray is and they wanting you to stand up and you go <gasps> like this. Um, they said to me after they got the x-rays back and they said, oh, you've got emphysema. And uh, I said, oh, oh, great. Does that mean I can't go home today? And they said, yeah, it means you can't go home today. Um, and so they tried to make it better just with, uh, just, uh, you know, the lung repairing itself. Didn't happen um, after three days. In fact, another time when I thought I was going to die, they've got this... This air pump or air what a air drain thing machine, and it's supposed to drain all the air out and help you help your lungs reinflate and all sorts of things. But my one decided one day to start working back the other way and shooting air back into my body rather than taking the air out. Um, so all of a sudden I start blowing up and I can feel my neck getting bigger and my arms getting bigger, and all of a sudden I'm looking like, like a sumo and and uh, I managed to get the nurse then and the nurse rang the all wards bell and you feel really important if you weren't in so much pain and discomfort because everybody stops what they're doing and they come running. But that was another time when I thought oh, I was going to die but uh, uh, didn't happen. Um, all right. So I had another operation and another week in hospital while I stapled up my... Uh, they stapled up my lung. And as I say, it's a continuing um, journey. I've got to see a, a respiratory um, surgeon in, um, in February and we'll talk about what they do about my emphysema and long-term what they do about my collapsed um, lung. So from July till now, what I've been doing is pretty much um, recovering. I went back to work after a couple of months and I want to thank... Guys and girls in the in the church family here, thank you for the way in which you uh, helped out 
at the yard, um, supported Leslie, all that sort of thing in um, uh, keeping it uh, going. Um, my digestion is still mucked up a bit. Apparently your, your, your bowel hates being cut into. I can't imagine why. <laughs> but it, it hates being messed around with, so my digestion is still all over the place. Um, my bag... If it fills up too much or whatever, or I don't put this on properly, it leaks. Okay, not very nice, not very pleasant. But anyway, it's a, it's a small price to pay, really, for being alive. Um, it's um, completely uh, mucked up the physical side of Leslie and I's uh, relationship, so we're having to do some more, uh, you know, do some different stuff there. There, um, I sometimes worry about my bag showing. Uh, the other day, <laughs> I had a, a, a guy that calls in, nice fellow. He he sells uh, really good tools. He called in with his van, and he said, and it must have been a little bit full or something at one stage. And he goes, so "What you got stuffed down there? Money or something?" I said, "No, it's my bladder." <laughs> and. Uh, without hesitating, he just carried on with the conversation. I really admire him. I thought that was terrific because if I'd done that, if I'd made that mistake, I would have said, oh, I'm so sorry and all that sort of thing. So we just carried on, matter of fact, talking about it and that made me realise, who cares, you know? If somebody sees my bag, if somebody thinks he's got money stuffed down there, um, well, yeah, let them, let, let them think that. I've, got to, I've just got to get, uh, got to get over that. Um, Leslie and I have joined a... Sounds grand, but we joined a bladder cancer awareness committee. Meets in Sydney from time to time, and we've launched a, a website. And if you want to see Leslie and I talking about um, talking about bladder cancer, not that after this you won't want me to talk about it at all. Um, okay, um, you can go onto that website and have a look. But that's basically that's basically the the physical timeline of, of where I'm uh, of where I'm at. The spiritual timeline is in no is in no particular order because, uh, as David Nathan, who was at our place yesterday, reminded me, um, God's out outside of time and space, but He does give us help when we need to, uh, when, when we need it. Sometimes just in time, isn't He? He's not always He's not always early. You know, He's right on time, right when you need Him. He's um, He's there. So I want to share a little bit from my uh, journal, a little bit from uh, God's Word. And, uh, but what happened really quite quickly back in, uh, back in March uh, was that both Katie Morrison and David Nathan uh, shared with me um, uh, visions or dreams that they had, um, they had received uh, from God about... Um, uh, my uh, my cancer and uh, about what would happen and um, the verse that um, David Nathan shared with me and has stuck with me is John 11 verse 4 and it was to do um, with one of Jesus' miracles and uh, healing miracles and uh, Jesus said when he heard the, oh, the message Bible says when he heard this 
Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. So the story of Lazarus. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And that's, um, uh, that's why I asked Nick for the opportunity to share this morning because I want to give that glory back to God because without God, we're nothing. More especially when we're ill, when our lives, our very lives are being uh, uh, threatened and um, something else that um, David shared with me was a dream he had about Jesus and a stop sign. Now, I asked Peter this morning, uh, I came in about half past nine and Pete was already here working away. I said, I need a slide up with Jesus and the stop sign. <laughs> okay. He said, well, look, I can do the stop sign. I'm not too sure about the Jesus bit. Okay, but he's managed within about two minutes to put um, uh, Jesus in the stop sign. And my brother-in-law, David, um, had, had, a, uh, had had a dream and said, I've just had a dream about Jesus and the stop sign. And the message from it is that your cancer has not gone... This is before we knew whether it had or not. Um, your, your cancer has not gone beyond your bladder. He said, I've had a... I've had a vision of a dream of Jesus and the stop sign, and Jesus has said to Satan that um, that cancer is not going any further. You can infect Stephen's bladder, but I am not letting you go any further with it because I have plans for him. And it's just. It's just an amazing thing. I, I did have prayers for healing and um, those prayers didn't work in terms of um, that bladder um, disappearing. But I did ask the surgeon as uh, before, I said, before you take my bladder out, can you please check again to see if the, the cancer is still there? And... I explained to him why and I said I'm part of a faith community and I've had lots of people pray for me and I said I want to make absolutely before you take the bladder out <laughs> that tumour is still in there and yes it was. What can, I, what can I, what insight can I go from there? Well in my particular case Jesus didn't want to heal that tumour. He didn't want that uh, he, he didn't want to heal that tumour. He, uh, um, he had other things that he wanted done in my life. He, he wanted me to understand the miracle of that tumour not going beyond the bladder. And in, and in that sort of way, that is a, that is a healing, effectively. Um, but he chose not to, uh, uh, not to remove that tumour from my body and he said, I've got lessons that I need you to learn. I've got... Uh, things in your life that I want to teach you. And that's why I got James to read um, read from Romans chapter 5. An awesome Bible, by the way, James. Did you see the gold glinting off the side of that Bible? That was awesome. Um, I know, did you? Yeah, I know. There's a smudge on it now. <laughs> um, awesome Bible, James. Um, I want to see that all worn off by the end of 
next year, okay? All the gold's got to be gone because you've been reading it so much. Um, okay, so... Um, now, I've made a smart comment, smart aleck comment to James and lost my, lost my place. Um, yeah, so it's, that's why I got James to read that because sometimes we are put through suffering. It's not just a simple... Sometimes it is a simple prayer for healing and it gets healed. And um, we hear lots of stories about that. But sometimes Jesus chooses not to heal because... He's interested in our character, our personality, our spiritual life. He wants healing to go on there. He wants you to learn particular lessons. And you think, oh, I'm sick of learning lessons. I'm sick of going through life and all I do is learn lessons. But we become better people for it and we become better... Um, uh, yeah, we, we become better Christians, for want of a better word. We become uh, better people. We have been through a circumstance and a situation that we can share with others, which I'm doing this morning, but you can come across other people in life. You can be a better support for them because you've experienced it yourself. And it might not be you that's got the cancer. It might be somebody um, in your family uh, that's, uh, that's got that cancer. And we can all learn lessons uh, all learns lesson, lessons through it. So, firstly, in terms of my spiritual timeline, I just want to give glory to God. As I said at the beginning, I wouldn't be anything, I wouldn't be anywhere in life without, uh, without the Lord. He, he's, he's the air that you breathe. And I want to say, um, oh, I sort of skipped ahead a little bit, but that's all right. Um, don't try and live your life without God is probably one of the big lessons that I've learnt um, out of this year. It's not going to work in your personal life, in your work life. If you, try and put, if you try and put God in a box, if you don't live your life um, all in for God, okay, um, you know, it's just, it's just not going to work. And one of the lessons learned for me is that life is short um, there's, a, there's a popular um, Christian song that says, you know, we're only one phone call from our knees. In other words, a phone call from your doctor, a phone call from the police. Um, we're only one phone call away from not being in charge of our lives like we thought we were. And um, all of a sudden, we need God and we've neglected God and we've... We've put him aside, we've put him in a box. We haven't been all in for him and yet we expect to, uh, him to fix things up. And we might have been angry with God, we might have been denying God even, we, we might not even believe in God and then all of a sudden we realise we need something outside of ourselves. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said, oh, look, I don't believe in God but I believe there's some higher power that sort of encircles us what use is that really what use is that when things are going pear-shaped we need somebody that that know that that's that we know loves us we can be angry with him we can be honest with him he can take it 
he can take me whinging about um, you know barns that aren't full and that sort of thing. <laughs> okay, uh, but um, yeah, give him a go. If you don't right now, if you don't believe in God, just give it a go. What have you got to lose? Nothing. What sort of a place are you in right now? Probably not a very really good place in terms of uh, uh, your. What, what, what's going through your mind, uh, perhaps something physical in your body that's not operating properly. What have you got to lose in asking God for healing and, and saying, God, if you're there, um, help me. One of the things that uh, Leslie and I both noticed, uh, especially getting onto the bladder cancer awareness um, Facebook sites, was how, how terrified people were of the diagnosis that they'd been given. Now, I'm not saying that Leslie and I weren't taken aback by uh, the diagnosis, that we weren't concerned, but um, we, these people are, are absolutely beside themselves in terms of premeditated grief, uh, in terms of fearfulness, in terms of the future, in terms of who's going to look after them, um, they're terrified and I was thinking it's amazing to believe in a God and, and uh, Abro just in our prayer time before the service this morning um, shared some verses from scripture about not fearing and it's just through the, the, the constant theme throughout God's word about not fearing uh, the future not with God we don't have to fear he's there beside us holding our hand he's in front of us uh, he's behind us. It's just incredible, um, uh, the resources that are there. And I've only just learned recently just how powerful God's Word can be when you just speak it out. You know, you just speak it out and it, and it, cha it can change time and space and events if we just speak it out. And that leads me on to... Um, uh, a person, some of you know, Karen Dexter, one of the first people I contacted with my, um, uh, with my cancer diagnosis was Karen. She has been a member of our church here in the past and she's in the final stages of uh, terminal uh, breast cancer. And I turned to her for a bit of advice and so on. And this is what she, uh, she said to me amongst other encouraging things and other encouraging verses. Uh, she said, um, the truth is that your life is in the hands of the living God and he loves you <coughs> much more than anyone. The scans will show if there are any places where the cancer has metastasized. By God's grace, you will get good results. Our help comes from the Lord and he isn't deserting you. I will keep praying for you. Seek the Lord, immerse yourself in his word so that you are feeding yourself the truth. Make notes when you read something encouraging and you'll be surprised how very present our Lord is when we are facing trouble. You are not alone. So that's just, just a really in, in, incredible thing. And again, for whatever reason, uh, I've always called Karen the real deal. Uh, if you've ever met her, you'll, you'll agree with me. Uh, she's the real deal when it comes to it. Now, the Lord hasn't healed her, but she is having an amazing uh, impact. If, even if it was just on my life, 
about um, how to deal, how to continue on in your faith and trust in the law when you're suffering so much from, uh, from your cancer. As I said, the other, um, uh, the other thing that God taught me was how uh, fragile life is and how important it is to uh, make, the, make the best of your, your life. And I just want to read a couple of things um, from... Uh, it doesn't really matter who it was. It was. He was a comedian in the 70s and 80s, George Carlin. And uh, he, um, he died in 2008... And he had a little bit to think about his... uh, He had a little bit of time to think about his life. And he said um, things like, the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more, more university degrees but less sense, uh, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts and so on. I think you get the gist of that. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch TV too much and pray too seldom. Okay, so there's a lot of paradox, uh, there's a lot of uh, truth there about our lives and it's important that we don't let our lives go past. Uh, Rick Warren uh, said, uh, and I wrote it down, if you prayed as much as you worried, you'd have a lot less to worry about. <laughs> really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, Nora, I had a fantastic... Uh, I had a fantastic um, uh, word from her, Nora, the African lady that most of you will have met. She's back in Zimbabwe now. Um, She said, and and she was praying this and shared this prayer with me, we just commit the team of doctors to the Lord to give them wisdom in choosing the right management for this cancer. We pray that the healing hand of God be upon Steve and also give him strength and peace during this time. Christ did it all on the cross. There is no weapon formed against God's children which can prevail. The plans of God for Steve's life are good. The devil has tried to steal, kill and destroy him, but he is a defeated angel because the one he is fighting is a child of God and is always on the victor's side. Isn't that incredible? And that's, She's talking about me there, but it goes for everyone here in this room that's put faith and trust in God. You are a valued child of God and he loves you. Whether you're on his side yet or not, if you haven't made that decision for for Jesus Christ, uh, you need to. You need to do that and be fully aware of how important it is and how wonderful it is to be a child of God. And just as we start to, uh, uh, to wrap up, um, Max Licardo says, the circumstances of life or the promises of God upon which are you standing? Really important for me. I've, I've always often said that one of my weaknesses 
is I'm a victim of my circumstances. And it's really important for me, and that's, that's one of the lessons I think out of this, this year that God's trying to get through to me, is that I've got a lot more life to live, but he wants me not to be a victim of my circumstances, not to feel sorry for myself. Uh, he's given me uh, some amazing miracles, an amazing family, an amazing church family. Um, he's trying to prove all the time that he's far and away the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And um, circumstances are just that. They come and they go. And it was interesting just a few, just a couple of months ago, just reading uh, about um, if in 2 Corinthians when Paul had been through an awful lot of oh, uh, persecution, um, he'd been through a shipwreck, all sorts of really bad stuff happening. The mission that he was on, the missionary journey he was on, just didn't seem to be uh, going the way he, he, uh, he wanted it. Uh, and this is well worth uh, reading, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 10, or certainly part of it, Paul's speaking and he said, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of the situation that they were in, we were forced to trust God totally. And I was thinking sometimes God puts us in those situations, doesn't he? And Paul says, not a bad idea since he is the God who raises the dead. So how can you get better than that? How can you get better than that? Okay, He raises the dead. Um, his, uh, uh, he, raised, um, he raised many people. He raised his son. And the special thing about raising the son is that our sicknesses are dealt with, our sins are dealt with, uh, we have eternal life. We have grace and mercy. And um, I'll just finish with what I started with, that, that, uh, that quote or that um, uh, explanation of what grace and mercy is, um, where God says, I'll take the blame for everything you did wrong and give you credit for everything I did right. Can you, can you just imagine the power that is? The power that we've got. Again, um, you should join us. Uh, I don't always quite make it because I'm making a cup of coffee for John and it, John needs his coffee. Uh, so I sometimes, miss, <laughs> I sometimes miss the quarter to ten prayer time. But we were, talking, we were praying this morning about joy. And doesn't walking into here just give you joy? Even with these you know, Christmas lights are up now, it's fantastic. Um, but it's more than that. It's the Holy Spirit and he gives us joy and he gives us hope and, and it's just an amazing thing. And that's through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's enabled us to live in the, in the world that we're living in. So I'll just ask the worship team to uh, uh, come on back. Um, um, as I say... If you want demonstrations on how my bag works and all that sort of thing afterward, please. But look, my <laughs> enough joking aside, that's getting a bit tired now. Um, look, if you're, if you're thinking, uh, I need to talk to Steve more about 
this God thing and, and about, you know, what's this Holy Spirit thing? What's this, what are these miracles? Uh, what does being all in mean? I'm really happy to share from my own experiences. I haven't got any theological training. I haven't got any uh, fancy words. But I have got, um, uh, you know, more stuff that I can share with you, more stuff that you might... Uh, and I can just simply share my experiences uh, or just sit and, um, and listen to you and your story. It's quite amazing at the car yard... Um, I probably, yes, I sell a few cars, but um, I hear a lot of stories. I hear a lot of stories of heartbreak and sadness. And I just listen to mostly older men, and I just uh, listen to them. Sometimes I pray with them, sometimes I talk to them uh, about God, but it's the most important thing. We try and get through life without needing God, but it only needs a heartbreak or two. It only needs sickness in the family. It only needs a bad accident. It only needs financial insecurity. It only needs... um, I can't think of anything else. That's good. (laughs) All right. Um, And we need God. All of a sudden, we're on our knees. And it's so important that um, you're praying to a God that... Uh, initially you might not even believe in him and you might be putting him to the test he's fine with that he's fine with that okay but he's wanting you not to suffer he's he's wanting you to lean on him so that he can put your life on the right track that he can put your life he can put his plan for your life into action and it turns your life upside down and it turns your life into the most rewarding thing that you will ever experience and you'll get to the end of your life in your deathbed and you might be only a heartbeat away from heaven but you will be uh, you will look back on your life and you won't have any regrets and that's what I want to have happen you know whenever my life finishes I want to say that I've lived a good life and I'm living it without any regrets and I'm going to an eternal um, I'm going to an eternal life with the Lord and I'll see him face to face. I can't see him face to face at the moment. But look, if, you, if any of that, what I've shared this morning, resonates with you, come and have a chat to me either straight after or at some stage or call me during the week or come and see me at the yard I'd be happy to talk to you more thanks guys so I just want to say thanks for sharing this morning Steve um, appreciate the, the rawness and the realness mm. of that but also the glory you give to God in that mm. um, so I want to pray for you because um, we know that journey is continuing for you mm. as you said and the living out of that um, and I also want to pray there's just that picture that Steve shared about um, the stop sign and this won't end in death and I just feel to pray this morning um, 
I don't know, some of us may have illnesses like cancer or, or, but not just things that are physical illnesses, just things that are on our heart this morning. And I just want to pray that that picture mm. of a stop sign mm. of Jesus saying mm. that stops here. Um, and I also want to pray uh, thirdly for God's comfort and peace for those mm. of us that have lost um, loved ones through cancer and, and just uh, give the comfort um, that God would comfort us with that truth that... Um, that even though this one didn't end in death and we glorify God with that, that death is not the end as mm. well mm. In fa- through faith in Jesus. So uh, pray with me and then we're going we're gonna to sing a final mm. song. Mm. So. Yeah, Father, we just give glory to you for Steve's um, healing through you stopping up that cancer in his bladder. Uh, where medical experts said that um, there's no way the size of it couldn't have burst through that wall. We just give glory to you that... Um, that that cancer was contained within Steve's bladder in a, a vessel it could be removed from its body relatively easily, Lord. Mm. And so I just pray that you would just uh, work miracles in an ongoing sense in Steve's body as he um, lives out the uh, reality of that um, with bags and uh, with his bowel, Lord. We just mm. pray that you, you bring healing to all those spaces in Jesus' name. Mm. And Father, we pray for all of us this morning that... Uh, those of us that come this morning with things on our heart, be they physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological, family relationships, whatever it is uh, that's on our heart this morning, we just speak that picture of Jesus with a stop sign over it. And we just say mm. it ends here in the almighty name of Jesus and mm. shall come no further. Mm. And so, Father, we just pray that through the power of uh, your resurrected Son, Jesus Christ, and through your Holy Spirit, that you... Uh, just bring about an end to whatever is uh, bringing mm. pain into our life right now. Mm. And Father, we thank you that in the name of Jesus, death is not the end. And mm. if we follow on that story further, Jesus declared that he is the resurrection and the life. Yeah. And so we thank you, Lord, that we have that great comfort when we do lose loved ones. Mm. That in the name of Jesus, even death is not the end. Yeah. And so, Father, for those that um, this morning does uh, touch on a place of loss or pain, Father, uh, we just pray that your comforting Holy Spirit's presence would wrap us in the arms of the loving and comforting Mm. Father Mm. and that you would just speak that truth into our heart that death is not the end. Mm. And Father, as we sing this final song, as Steve's reminded us this morning, illness or not, life is short. And so we pray that our lives would be centered upon you and that we would live for no other purpose Mm. but for the name and the glory of Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love you to become a part of the Aspaptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.